And the reading is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. As you came in, the uh, outline sheet uh, will have the reading printed in full there. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God has given you for your own. This is the word of the Lord. And we're going to stand and sing again. Oh, for a thousand times. So let's take a, a moment to pray and to ask God to reveal himself to us through his word today. Uh, Lord, as we we come to this uh, passage of Scripture, we pray it may be more than just uh, inspiring words to us, that it may be your truth transforming us, uh, making us more like you, uh, and making us better equipped to serve you. So may we open our hearts and our minds to your word today. Amen. We're using this word uh, transition a lot at the moment, and I think that's going to carry on for a while yet. That as we think about our life as a church, our leadership, our ministry, our, our, our relationship with the wider church, we're thinking at the moment about how we here at St. John's can transition into the new future that God has prepared for us. In some ways, of course, that's scary because a lot of us don't like change. We like things to remain as they are, where we feel comfortable. But in another sense, it's exciting because this is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon the everlasting God, the God who never changes, the God whose word never ends. And so even though there may be some apprehension as we think about changes, which will make us feel uncomfortable, we find our security in the God who has promised that he will be with us. And that is certainly true of the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is the beginning of a new phase in Israel's life. As these people have moved from being a family to a tribe to a nation, 
as their leadership changes, as Moses dies and Joshua takes over, as they move from a life of of aimless wandering in the desert into a, a, a settled place where they live, as they move from that overwhelming feeling of slavery into the freedom of God's promises, the book of Joshua speaks about what happens to them as they undergo this transition. Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, and it is the key transition book of the Old Testament. It's the hinge on which the Old Testament stands. The Old Testament could be summed up in this way. It's about getting the right people in the right place for the right purpose. It's about getting the right people in the right place for the right purpose. God now has the right people. The generation who had refused 38 years earlier to follow Joshua and Caleb's instruction to go in and possess the land, all of that generation have now died. All of those people are gone. The leaders, the people, they've all gone now. God now has the right people. It's been a long process. It's been a painful process. But that disobedient generation have passed away, and now he has the right people. So now he has to get them into the right place. The land that he promised to Abraham all those years ago is now about to be entered. The reason why God wants them in a land is he wants them to be a witness to the whole world. Remember, he blessed Abraham so that they could be a blessing to others. This is not a a selfish aim that God has for his people, that they would go in and possess this land. They are to go in and possess and live this land so that they will be a witness to all the nations and to all the world. You know, it's not just their land. It's the land that will enable them to live a life that will be a witness to God's character to the nations around us. By the way, just a little word in bypassing because it's so contemporary at the moment. God's plans and purposes have never been focused on a geographical location. I mean, all the stuff that's happening in Palestine at the moment, there is, of course, a religious dimension to it. But in terms of what Christians believe, our purpose, our goal is not to possess a land. It's to possess the inheritance that God has given to us. And that inheritance is a spiritual inheritance. It's the inheritance of knowing the rest of God, the purposes of God in our lives. And as Christians, we have to be very, very careful about our understanding of what is happening in Palestine at the moment. God's purposes are not tied up in a land for his people. God's purposes are far bigger than that. The land was only ever a picture, a pointer to the greater rest that God would bring through our inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't go into all the details of that, but maybe at some point that might be an interesting discussion. And so this promise, this transition that Joshua is leading his people into is based upon God's people being in the right place at the right time. Just three quick things about that. This transition looks back to the promises of God. 
Remember the promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, verse 3. Go from your country, your people, your father's house to the land I will show you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, Joshua reminds the people of that. 1 verse 6, God reminds Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. Joshua is saying that promise that God made to Abraham all those years ago, it's now going to be fulfilled. This transition is about leading us into this amazing promise God made all those years ago. So it looks back to the promises of God. But it also looks forward to the purposes of God. God has a bigger purpose than getting people into a land. Listen to these interesting words from Hebrews chapter 4. By the way, again, another little pointer. The New Testament is the best way to interpret the Old Testament. Okay? So Hebrews does this. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The book of Hebrews there is saying, look, what Joshua gave them in possessing the land was not the ultimate goal. It was part of the promises of God. It was part of the the promise along the way, but it wasn't the ultimate goal. He said Joshua didn't give them the rest that they were yearning for. Because it was never meant to just be that. Instead, he says God would not have needed to speak later. He's speaking there about Jesus Christ, of course. Jesus Christ comes to give us the ultimate rest. The rest they experienced in the land was just a pointer to the rest that God was going to give them through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And verse 11, the New Testament says this a number of times that these examples in the Old Testament are given to us that we might learn. That's what the Old Testament's there for. The Old Testament is there to teach us not to disobey God. Because (laughs) the Old Testament is probably a better example of how what happens when you disobey God rather than when you obey God. It's full of disobedience. And it's there as an example to teach us to be obedient to the law that God has revealed to us. And then the third thing is, this transition is experienced by trusting the presence of God. This amazing phrase that is used three times in the first chapter, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. That's one of the key phrases of Joshua. The danger with that phrase is it can be what I call a Hallmark quote. You know, Hallmark produced these cards with inspiring quotes. It can be just a fridge magnet. You know, be strong and courageous. You stick it on your fridge and you think, wow, that's my inspiring quote for today. But of course, it's far more than that. It's far more than that. Because we're also called to remember that we can only be strong and courageous because the Lord has promised he'll be with us wherever we go. Be strong and courageous may be an inspiring quote, but it's like a sermon that doesn't mention God. And over the years, Tim and I have heard some of those, a sermon which doesn't mention God. Be strong and courageous. Well, anyone could say that. An atheist could say that. But be strong and courageous, he says. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you. 
And by the way, the New Testament parallel to that, Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Our strength and courage doesn't come from us summoning that up from within us. It comes from the Lord. Be strong, not in yourself, be strong in the Lord. Be courageous in his mighty power. So this call to Joshua as he leads the people into transition to be strong and courageous is not about him summoning up the energy from within him. It's about him trusting the Lord. Trusting the promise that the Lord made to people throughout the Old Testament who were faithful to him, I will be with you wherever you go. So let's just look at two key principles about how Joshua demonstrated that strength and courage in the Lord that enabled him to lead these people into transition. Firstly, he learned the presence of God in battles. He learned to trust the Lord his God in battles. Here's the big question. To what extent do we need to fight the big battles before us by thinking, planning, and doing? Or to what extent do we just need to be still and pray that God will work in our lives? Well, I'm sure you've guessed the answer to that is, is both. But we tend to be more inclined towards one than the other. As we face battles in life, as we face transitions, we tend towards the planning, the thinking, and the doing rather than the praying. Now, there's a passage in uh, uh, Exodus. Um, in passing, there, there are seven references to Joshua before the book of Joshua, and they all give us a little insight, actually, into Joshua's character and his relationship with the Lord. And one of those is Exodus 17, verses 8 to 9. They're on, there, uh, on the handout if you, you want to look at it. Um, just context, battle. Battle against a group of people called uh, the Amal Amal Amalekites. <laughs> and um, as they face this battle... Moses, uh, in the words of verses 8 to 9, so the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, I, I, I don't know how Joshua felt about this suggestion. Um, maybe he thought, well, thanks a lot, Moses. <laughs> you know, send me out into battle while Moses goes up on the mountain and admires the view. I mean, which would you choose? <laughs> go in and fight a mighty enemy or go and stand on the top of a mountain and admire the view? But of course, it isn't about that. Moses says, I'll go and stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Ah, now, if you know your Old Testament, when the staff of God is mentioned, things tend to happen. The staff of God was a symbol of God's power at work. It had been used to provide deliverance to the people before Pharaoh. It had been used to produce water from a rock. It had been used as a, as a symbol of healing when the people were sick. And of course, it was always a symbol of leadership amongst God pe God's people. So when Joshua heard Moses say, I'm going to go up the mountain and, 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 and with the staff of God, you go and fight in the valley. Joshua knew 
that Moses wasn't taking the easy option. Joshua knew that what Moses was going to do was going to intercede before God, that God's power might be at work in his life and the life of his armies as they fought in the valley. And that's what happened here. It's a wonderful story as Joshua and his armies fight in the valley. Moses is on the top of the mountain with his holding his staff in the air. And as long as he holds his staff in the air, God's people win the victory in the valley. And Moses starts to get tired and his arms start to drop. And as his arms drop, the staff drops. And suddenly, as his arms drop and the staff drops, the power of God seems to, seems to dissipate and the people begin to lose. And so he gets Aaron and her, his, his other assistants, to hold up his arms to hold up the staff. And as they hold up the staff, the power of God works and the battle is won. It's a great story. But what's it saying? It's saying this, that battles are won not just by the fighting on the ground, but by the God in the heavens. Battles are won when God's presence comes amongst his people And gives them the strength and courage to fight in his power, in his mighty power. And this is an important lesson that Joshua needs to learn as he leads people into new battles, new transitions. He needs to learn the presence of God in battles. We, we, you know, we had a, a leaders' meeting yesterday morning thinking about transitions, planning, preparing, trying to answer some difficult questions, trying to come up with ideas, and all of that is really important. But what's also really important, of course, is that God's people remember that God's power is at work, and prayer is the means by which God brings his power into the everyday realities of life. And Joshua needed to le learn that. There's an interesting little phrase there at the end of that passage. Um, sorry, it's not on the handout. Um, it says, verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. <laughs> make sure that Joshua hears it, verse 14. <laughs> Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, make sure that Joshua hears it so that Joshua remembers it, and Joshua lives by it. Joshua, as he leads the people into this transition, knew that God would be with him in his presence in the battles because he'd learned it all those years ago at Rephidim. So he learned the presence of God in battles. Can we trust God and his presence and his power as we move forward in transition? That whatever our battles are, we can know his presence and his power with us. And then just secondly, Joshua learned the presence of God in worship. Exodus 33 gives us a lovely insight into Joshua's character here. The tent of meeting was the place outside the camp where Moses used to go for his quiet time with God. That's where he met with God. The tent was a symbol of God meeting with Moses. And um, he used to take Joshua, his assistant, with him into the tent. And that became a regular part of Joshua's experience. 
was meeting with God in worship in the tent. There's a lovely insight to this in verse 11. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the, his camp, to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Do you notice that? The end of their prayer time, Moses goes out because he has to go and work with these people. He has to go and give them advice and wisdom as they bring their problems to him. But it says Joshua didn't. Joshua did not leave the tent. He stayed in the tent. Why is that? Didn't he want to talk to these disobedient people? Did he want to avoid all the pastoral issues that they brought to him? No. He wanted to be there because he knew that the presence of God at work in his life was going to be the one factor above all else that would sustain him as he led the people into transition. He wanted to be where God was at work. He wanted to be where God was. Now, we're blessed in the sense that, you know, God doesn't just come into special places. God can work in our lives at any time. But there is still a unique experience that when God meets with his people in a special place, that it transforms them. Joshua had a heart for worship. Joshua, by the way, at this stage is just a young man. Interesting how God uses young people very often in his story. Samuel, young boy, he's the one who hears God speaking. Not the experienced priests. Samuel. Young Ruth, young widow. She's the one who demonstrates utter faithfulness and commitment to God's people and his purposes in the Old Testament. David. God could have chosen any one of his older brothers, but no, he chooses the young boy. Mary, the teenager, could have chosen a mature woman, but he chooses a young teenager. Why did, what, what, what's the common thread through all of these people? They were people who learned what it meant to be in the presence of God as children. My specialist area of study is the uh, Welsh Religious Revival of 1904-5 and its impact on social, religious life in the South Wales Valleys. That's the title of my dissertation. Fascinating when you look at what was it that led to this revival occurring in Wales. There are a number of factors. One of the ones that historians point recognize is a prayer meeting that took place in a small Baptist chapel in the small village of Gorsinan in southwest Wales in 1904. And as the church gathered to pray, the presence of God became real. And, and what happened was a 13-year-old girl called Florrie Evans got up in a prayer meeting and prayed. 13-year-old girl now. Prayed. And as she became so aware of God's presence in her life, she prayed a prayer of repentance. And she closed the prayer with these words, Oh, I do love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. This 13-year-old girl, who wasn't very articulate, led the people in prayer. And many historians mark that as one of the most significant events in the outbreak of revival in South Wales. Amongst that congregation was a man named Evan Roberts, who was so overwhelmed by the presence of God that 
he prayed a prayer of repentance and prayed for God's presence, and he was to become the key preacher of that revival that saw 85,000 people converted in six months. It starts with the presence of God in worship. Dare we pray for that? Dare we pray for that as a church? Dare we pray for that for our young people, that they would experience the presence of God in worship? This is what Joshua not dared to pray for. He dared to do. He dared to stay in the tent in worship. He dared to experience the presence of God that he might lead his people into transition. So the cry, be strong and courageous, that, that is, is, is a kind of summary of Joshua's life that we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. is not just a, an inspiring quote. It's a call to us. It's a call to us to learn the presence of God in our battles, to learn the presence of God in our worship, and to seek as we move forward into a very uncertain time, humanly speaking, but to move forward knowing that the Lord is our strength and that we can be strong in him and mighty in him. Tim, do you want to lead us in prayer? Let's pray. Lord, so as you have worked before, we pray that you may work again. And we pray that you may bring uh, revival uh, to your church. And Lord, we thank you for examples of that happening even today around the world. And Lord, we would ask that you may come here, come Holy Spirit, and do something new and do something where the only explanation is that you are here and that you are working. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to uh, affirm our faith in the words of the creed. Let's stand.